that has sang us and prayed us to, to this word. Um, as I, if I had to use a title today, it would be to let him use you. To let him use you, y'all. And that's 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 where I am. Like I say, that's to me first. I want to be used. I've been singing, I, you know, I should be giving them more our week. That's been the song that's been in, in my head and on my heart. But the title on today is to just let him use you. And I want you all to think about that. I want you to think about if you have been truly letting him use you, using, using you on your job, using you in this church house, using him with your family, using him with your kids, using him in, uh, using you in your marriage, all of those things, let him use you. And so the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that life is full of vanities. And, and in my studying, God, I don't I stumble on as many different Bibles that I don't read. All of a sudden, I don't stumble on this Amplified Bible. And that thing, it was good to me. It was good to me. Um, but as I just began, I just began reading in the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that life is full of vanity. And so y'all can remain seated. This is Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses two through four. It says vanities of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All that is done without God's guidance is vanity. Futile, meaningless, a wisp of smoke, a vapor that vanishes, merely chasing the wind. What advantage does a man have from all his work, which is done under the sun while he is earthbound? One generation goes and another generation comes, but the earth remains forever. I was telling my wife this week, I just say it just, I say it just get hard for me sometimes because I just feel different. I just feel like I don't fit in. And a lot of times people don't want to hear the truth. Right. They don't they don't want to hear the truth. They, they just want to hear feel good. And, and I and I struggle with that because I don't know how to be a part of the world anymore. Like now that he's taking me out of it, I don't know how to fit back into it. Yeah. So I can't be around everybody. I can't smile. I can't grin. I can't laugh. I can't pretend. And I realize that's a why that's the reason why a lot of people stay away from me. Even the ones that love me sometimes stay away from me because they don't want to hear the truth. But I'm saying today, God, I don't care about that anymore. I just want you to use me. And that's why I say my wife holds me down because she just said, it's like she would just tell me, she's like, you just different. And you got to accept it. Like, I know that I got to accept it. But how she just said it to me this time, she said, you just got to accept the fact that you different. She said, you a man of God. You a real man of God. And real men of God don't fit in. And so I'm telling y'all that this life is full of vanity. The Bible, the Amplified Version, uses that word futile. That means it don't matter what you do. It's pointless if you're not allowing God to use you. It says one generation goes and another generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Went to my aunt's 70th birthday party, and I'm looking at my mom and all my, all my other aunts and all these old people at this 70-year-old birthday party. And I'm like, you know, we celebrate these things, but our time is going to come. One day, Lord, if I live, I'm going to be 70. And it's like, what am I going to have to show for all of those years? And so I want to make it clear today that I'm not against ambition, but I do believe that there is such a thing as unhealthy strength. There is such a thing as unhealthy strength. We walk around all day long trying to be strong. Glory. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, in my weakness, 
you gonna make me strong. And so we walk around trying to be strong, trying to do it on our own, like with all of this pride and all of this puffed upness. And God is saying that's vanity, it's futile. Anything that you're doing outside of my will, it won't work. Ambition driven by pride and self-reliance versus the desire to glorify God and place trust in him is unhealthy strength. And so the thing is, it's easy to say, right? It's easy to say, God, I'm doing this for you. I could stand up here and say, God, I'm doing this for you all day long. But if it's not in my heart, if it's not in my soul, if I'm not rooted and grounded in his word, if I'm not willing to be different, if I'm not willing to walk alone, if I'm not willing to be single, if I'm not willing to be barren or whatever it is that God has called me to, if I'm not willing to do that, then I'm not willing to let him use me. It's easy to say I'm doing it for you. It's even easy to say, you know, God, I thank you for the ability to, like, do the ability to do whatever we do. We see it all the time at a war show. People just live in all kind of wicked ways and then get up on stage and say, I thank God. It's easy to do that. But it's hard to actually let him use you. To let him use you. Hallelujah. And the reason, right, the reason that that won't work, because God does not view all of our actions the same. He knows the intent of our hearts. Everything we offer him doesn't carry the same weight. You can't throw God a $5 bill and then try to pretend like you just gave him a million. Right? You can't just throw God five minutes of your nightly time in, in, in prayer and think that means you, you, you worshiping and you in relationship with him. He doesn't view all actions the same, right? He, he told us in this last series that he's looking. So he's looking. He's going row by row in this church today, and he's searching out your heart. I have in this, I have down in my notes, right? I have Jeremiah 12, 1 through 3, but I, I read that whole chapter, and it's good to you. But in that chapter, Jeremiah is just, he's like, in that, in that first verse, he says, you, O Lord, uncompromisingly, you are uncompromisingly righteous and consistently just just when I plead my case. He like, God, you know, every time I talk to you, you always right. But just for a moment, let me I want to talk about some of the things that I feel are unfair. He says, let me talk about the issue of justice with you. He starts to ask God, why do you let the wicked prosper? Right. He says, you've planted them in the second verse. You've even let them take root. I even see them growing. Some of them even producing fruit. He said, right? He says, you are honored by their lips, but you are far from their heart and their mind. Jeremiah trying to figure this thing out. He's like, God, why do the wicked prosper? He said, I can't figure it out. He said, basically, he's like, I'm over here suffering for you. And everybody else is is, is getting on and, and getting what they want. Right? But the thing is, Jeremiah was willing to let God use him. So even if he didn't get the fame, the fortune, the glory, or whatever else everybody else had, even though it looked like they were succeeding, he said, God, I know you're not in that. So I would rather be on this side and suffer and let you use me than gain everything that the world has. Lord, I thank you. And I'm telling y'all, when I was reading this word last night, it's like the words was flowing up off the page. And, and, and in that 12th verse, Jeremiah was just talking about 
Judah, right? Judah being carried off. And God said, you know they're talking about Jesus, right? You know that verse really talking about Jesus. And God just let me see that this whole Bible is just testifying about what Jesus has done. Y'all better let him into your life. You better let him into your life. There's nobody like him. There's nobody that can do what he does. Right? You let all these other people use you for free and you don't get nothing out of yourself. Pain and heartache and suffering. But God is actually trying to bring you out, bring you to something. Right? We, 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 we go in this world and we let the world use us like a whore and don't even get paid for it. But we won't let God use us and he's willing to open up the windows of heaven. And so as I preach these series of messages, I don't know how long this one's going to be until God just moved me. I just want him to flow through me and switch me up every time he say so. But as I preach this, this, this short series, right, I, it's designed as I was going, I said, God, I was just evaluating my works. I want my works. I want what I do. I want what I do to be of him. I don't want to rely on myself anymore. I don't want to rely on what I think. Right? I don't, want, I don't want what I offer to God to lose value because I'm doing it for me. Whatever I do for, whatever I do, I want it to be for him. We can be out here just toiling and working. And every, even while you're doing it, God, like, that don't have no value to me. Oh, you singing in church? That don't have no value to me. Oh, you count the money in the bank? That don't have no value. Oh, you preaching? Oh, you teaching? That don't have no value to me. If you're not going to let me use you. If you're not going to really let me use you, that don't have no value to me. And so I began searching. I said, God, well, where does that start? Where does that futility come from? What's the beginning of futility? Futility, futility can be defined as fruitlessness, uselessness, or vanity. And I began to read, God took me to the story of Cain and Abel. And so shortly after God gave humankind purpose in the garden, and they tainted that purpose with sin, we started to see futility of life outside of God start taking place. Right? They were in this place and they had purpose and everything was perfect. And they didn't have to die. And they could spend time with God forever. But then they let sin into the picture. And then everything started to become pointless. Because they were no longer in that place. They were no longer in that relationship. The Bible says God kicked them out of the garden. Right? So no matter what they did after that point, if they did not repair that relationship with God, none of it mattered. And it's the same thing for us. None of what you do matter if you're not in a relationship with God on today. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do in the name of Jesus. If it's not really for him, he don't want that. And so that curse that was placed on Adam and Eve has been passed down ever since. So I want to take you out of Genesis 4 verses 11 through 12 verse. I'm going to tell you the story of Cain and Abel and this thing was so good to me, y'all. It was so good to me. And I'm just reading. I'm like, Lord, literally every story, everything that you have in this word is testifying about the goodness of Jesus. And so in the 11th verse, in that fourth chapter, in the 11th verse, we see the curse of Cain. This is the, the beginning of futility. Futility means pointless. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood. This is after Cain killed Abel. After you have received, the, now the earth has opened its mouth to receive your brother's shed blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer 
yield its strength. It will resist producing good crops for you. You should be a fugitive in a vagabond roaming aimlessly on the earth in perpetual exile without a home, a downgraded outcast. Let me tell y'all, when y'all kill Jesus off in your life, when y'all kill Jesus off in your life, his blood is testifying against you. His blood is crying out against you saying they killed me. I died for him, right? I died for him. They killed me. And when you don't receive that, nothing you do will produce anything of worth. The world can't fix you. It produces nothing of value when you are in sin. You are in perpetual exile. That's why I know, like, I'm not, this is not my home, y'all. This is not my final destination. I'm not, I'm not going through my days trying to pretend like I'm going to be here forever. I'm trying to store up, right? I'm trying to store up things that are important to me, right? The Bible says where your heart is, right? Where your heart is, where your treasure is, right? I'm not, I'm not living for this life. But when you can sin, you are in perpetual exile. That means never ending. That means it goes on and on and on. And that's why to, even today, some of us feel like we don't fit. Some of us don't know our purpose. Some of us don't know where we're going, right? You need that blood of Jesus to be applied to your life. You need to get back in right standing with God. And I know I'm talking to a bunch of church folks, but God wouldn't have me preach the message if it wasn't for somebody. You won't fit in anywhere because you are outside of the body. And so when we go back to the beginning of that narrative before Cain got cursed, the word says, this is Genesis 4, verse 1 through 5. It says, now the man Adam knew Eve as his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have obtained a man, a baby boy, a son, with the help of the Lord. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks of sheep and goats, but Cain cultivated the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect or regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And I began reading that and I said, God, there's so many good nuggets in that. There's so many good nuggets in that. So the first thing is that God brings forth this life. He allows Adam and Eve to have these children. And then he gives them purpose. One is a farmer. One is a, is a shepherd. But that third verse is the, is the part that got me. And in the course of time, right? In the course of time, y'all look at these little children in here, these little babies, right? Right now it seems innocent. Like God is not really demanding anything of them. But over the course of time, them babies going to have to grow up and they're going to have to make a decision whether they want God to use them or not. Because they're going to start giving forth offerings. And the good offerings God is going to accept. And the ones that he know you just throwing me something, he's going to reject. So y'all got to realize, like, your clock has been ticking, all y'all grown folks. Your clock has been ticking. What has you been offering? Because over the course of time, God has been watching. And so from those four verses, these, these are some of the points that I got. Just because you give birth to something does not mean it's going to get blessed. Just because you give birth to something does not mean it's going to get blessed. 
You can start a business. I'm even talking about you can have a baby. Just because you push out a baby don't mean that baby going to be blessed. Over the course of time, that baby going to have to make a decision whether it's going to allow God to use it or not. It's your responsibility as a parent. It's your responsibility. If you're going to give birth to something, it's your responsibility to make sure that you're doing it for the Lord. That you dedicate it to God. That you give it back. That you say, God, you gave me this. I'm giving it back to you. God, you gave me this job. I'm going to honor you with it. God, you gave me this spouse. I'm going to honor you with it. God, you gave me this child. I'm going to honor you with it. It's your responsibility to give it back. Just because you was the firstborn don't mean you'll remain first. And just because you were born second doesn't mean you always going to be second. Some of us think we have, like, just because you were the first person in the church to start preaching, just because you were the first one here. Let me tell you, God will send somebody in, take your spot, let them go past you, and put the anointing on them and pass you by. God respects those that give their best. It's not work-based, it's hard-based. It's not work-based, it's hard-based. Y'all got to stop throwing God your sloppy seconds. Get here on time. Get here on time. Get in the presence of the Lord. Right? You show up for what you want to show up for. Right? And your anger and your pride is the sign of your immaturity. And your anger and your pride, the word said that when God spoke to when God spoke to Cain, Cain got indignant. He was downright mad. How he gonna say that to me? And then I was reading this. I'm like, this man really bold. Like, it's not like he just, he really coming at God. Like, he really coming at God. Like, God, who you think you talking to? I could see, like I could see when I say the words were coming out the back. It's like I could see the pride in Cain's heart. Like, who you think you talking to? That's how Cain was talking to God. But that's a sign of your immaturity. Over the course of time, whatever is created must honor God or it will be cursed. Whatever it is, it must let God use it. In the seventh verse, you know, God, you can you can read, you can read the tone. If you really, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you while you're reading, you can read the tone. The Bible says that Cain was indignant, and then you hear God's response in the seventh verse, and it's so sweet. God, like this man hot down mad. Like you, you, you really 38. You really, you beat mad right now. And then God responds to him and says, if you do well, believe in me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? What you mad at, Cain? I just want to use you. I just want to use you. I just want what's best for you. I, I accept your, you a farmer. I, it wasn't the fact that I just wanted sheep and goats. You a farmer. I made you a farmer. It, that's not the reason. That's not the reason that I rejected your offering because you bought me fruits and vegetables and your brother bought me meat. That's not why I rejected your offering. I rejected your offering because you didn't bring me your best vegetables. Your brother bought me his best. You just threw me something. He says, but if you but if you do not do well and you ignore my instruction, y'all watch it. He say, sin crouches at your door. It, it's desire for you is to overpower you. 
but you must master it. God made us like he made us masters. He made us to have dominion. He made Adam and Eve to possess the earth. He made you to be able to control your environment. He made it where when you walk in the room, you can shift stuff around. He made it where you can speak to the mountain and the mountain will move, right? He says, I need you to master these things. But we just let sin sit there and we won't kick it out. We won't kick the devil out of our life. We won't kick depression out of our life. We won't kick anxiety out of our life. We won't kick our selfish desires out of our life. And then we operate out of all of that and we end up giving God garbage. Because we entertaining the devil. And so I had this imagery of just sin just crouching. Right? Crouching at the door, just posted up. Seeing just leaning on your front door. Waiting, because he know eventually you're going to open it for something. You can either open it for that sin that's waiting, or you can open it for Jesus that's knocking. But he knows that sooner or later you're going to have to make a choice. The door going to open. You're going to allow sin in, or you're going to allow Jesus in. I had this imagery of Jesus asking to enter. Versus this, this, this imagery of sin trying to overpower you. I had this imagery of Jesus saying, I'm right here. Just let me in. Come on, I'm, I'm trying. I'm brought you some devil. Let's suck together. Let's talk together. Right? Let's sit down. Let me explain things to you. I had this imagery of just Jesus just being so sweet, trying to come in your life, right? Even trying to help you clean up. Trying to help you fix things that's broken. Trying to patch your life up. Trying to put you back together. I had this imagery of him doing that. And then I had this imagery of sin just want to kick down the door and tear your house up. Flipping tables over. Busting out windows. Right? And so the eighth verse tells us that after all of this has happened, after God has chastised Cain, Cain talks with Abel, his brother, and I imagine like, I imagine his brother sitting out in the field and Cain like, man, can you believe God just, just ripped on me like that? And I just brought him some. He act like I came empty handy. He act like I ain't breaking none at all. He act like I don't go to church. He act like I don't pay tithe. He act like I don't drop a word here. He act like I don't teach Bible verses to people. He act like I don't post positive messages on social media. He act like I don't do nothing for him. Can you believe God said all that about me? And I can see Cain like, yeah, bro. I know you. I see how you be living. I seen your fear. I know you had this over there and you gave God. He kind of got a point. He kind of got a point. I see what you be doing. I see how you be slacking. I see what you make time for. And that made Cain so mad that the Bible say he rose up against his brother to attack him. That's what I have in my notes. I say, you got to stop responding to other people out of your sin. We respond to other, other people be trying to say, well, man, God got a point. But versus listening to him, we respond out of our sin. We respond out of our pride. And we chop them down or we cut them off. We going out, but I don't want to go around them folk no more. We cut them off. You got to stop responding out of your, your sin and respond out of the spirit. The ninth verse says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? After he done killed him, he says, Where is Abel your brother? And he lied and said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Right? Am I supposed to keep up with him? The Lord said, What have you done? 
The voice of your brother's innocent blood is crying out to me from the ground for justice. The blood of Jesus speaks for us. Right? The world can kill my body, right? If I'm an able, you either going to be an able or a cane. If I'm an able, no matter what this world does to me, when God looks on me, if I'm an able, God going to see that the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life, and that's going to speak for me. He's going to say, my son had a relationship with him. My son knew him. My son did everything he was supposed to do. He tried. Did he always get it right? No, but he always repented. He always asked for forgiveness. He always tried to make it right. Right? Everything that he gave, he always tried to give me my, give me his best. He tried to give back to me. He went out. He went above and beyond. Even when people rejected him. Even when people heard him. Even when people didn't understand. Right? The blood of Jesus was speaking. But if you a Cain, what you going to have speaking for you? What you going to have speaking for you? I'm almost done. And so Genesis 13, Genesis 4, 13 through 15, this is Cain's response. When God says your brother's blood is crying out. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Right? Did y'all realize what the punishment was? The punishment was not to kill him. The punishment just said all your efforts are going to be futile. Whatever you put your hand to won't work. And that lets you know Cain's heart. Cain wasn't trying to get back right with God. Cain just said, I ain't going to be able to make no money for selling my vegetables no more. I ain't going to be able to get my house no more. I ain't going to be able to get my spouse. I ain't going to be able to get the things I want no more. The punishment is greater than I can bear. And that's why so that's so that's why some of us here today, you don't really want Jesus in your life. You just afraid what's gonna happen if you don't come to church every Sunday. You don't really want Jesus in you. You just afraid because grandma and whoever done taught you, girl, you better get right with Jesus. So you know it's something to it, but you don't really want him to use you. You just don't want the consequences to be more than you can bear. I'll tell you no refreshment now. He done, he done did something to me last Sunday. He said the punishment is greater than I can bear. He said, behold, listen to what he puts first. He said, behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land. And then second, he says, and from your face, I will be hidden. He said, you done driven me away from my stuff first. Oh, yeah, and I ain't going to see you no more, too, God. That was secondary. It was not, oh, no, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be in your presence anymore. His priorities are all twisted up. And I will be a fugitive and an aimless vagabond upon the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then he started worrying about what people going to think. Right then, he started worrying about what people gonna think. The Lord said unto him, "This is fifteen verse." He says, "Not so." He says, "Whoever kills Cain, a sevenfold vengeance—that is, punishment—seven times worse—shall be taken on him by me." And the Lord set a protective mark or sign on Cain, so that no one who found him. Would kill him. God say, Cain, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to use you. If I want to kill you, 
I could. Y'all need to realize he want, if God wanted to get you, he could. It ain't nothing that you can do about that. Right? And even in your mess, like even in Cain's mess, he said, I'm going to put a shield of protection around you. See, some of y'all think y'all getting off, right? Because it ain't too bad yet. That's called mercy. That ain't because you in right standing. Cain was not in right standing. When you read on, his family going to keep doing wicked stuff. They did not, and they not in right standing. But God still decided, I'm not going to destroy him. I'm going to give them a chance. Even though they're not in right standing, I still want to use them. It would seem like justice. And I'm coming in, um, Junior. It would seem that justice would demand Cain's life. Like, oh, you done, you done popped off at the mouth. I'm just going to go on and take you out. For you, you done killed your brother. Before you can do any light, and then you know how people want the death penalty. Like, before you can do any more damage. I might as well just go on and get justice and just go and kill you. But God say, no. I'm going to spare you. He said, I'm going to put a mark on you. Right? He said, I'm going to use you as an example. I'm going to wait 2,000 years later. Then I'm going to have a man in Albany, Georgia, preach your story. So all these folks that's listening to him know that they don't want to end up like Cain. He said, I'm going to use you as an example of unhealthy strength. I'm going to use you, Cain, as an example of what happens when a person gets in their pride and gets in their self and starts relying on self and not relying on me. I'm going to use you as an example. I'm going to include your story in the narrative. God ain't not trying to get nobody in this in this, in this church. He's trying to use you. And y'all won't get out your own way. You're going to answer for everything that you do. Y'all keep playing games like God don't see how you treat your children, how you treat your spouses, how you treat your co-workers, how you nickel and diamond. God cares about that stuff. The only reason he don't bust you over the head right now because he ain't like he need, like I don't need the money. So when I take it now, I take it later. But Ecclesiastes already told us his vanity. He said, one generation going to come and another generation, right? I started thinking, you know, the things that we live for. Like, who going to remember I was at Lake Park 100 years from now? Who going to remember you won a state championship? Who going to remember that? I started thinking about that, like Kobe and all that. Like, who going to remember that? One generation going to be here and another generation. Only what you do for God going to last. You're going to answer for it. Just like he told Cain, what are you mad for? What are you sad for? Yes, I know things that happen to you. Like, I keep trying to explain to people. You can't honestly think that you love people more than Jesus loved people. You can't honestly think that. The thing, let me tell you, what, the, the, the word that my pastor said that got me to turn to the Lord, when she stood up in the pulpit and said, you ain't die for nobody. You ain't get up on the cross for nobody. She wasn't talking directly to me, but it hit me like, okay, you being selfish. You withdraw from people, you cut people off because you in pain, right? 
that's not that's not right. Cause you grieving, that's not right. Let him use you. Let God in. Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody need to know how you made it through grief. Somebody need to know how you made it through that divorce. Somebody need to know how you made it through that pain, through that abuse. They need somebody need your story. Yeah, you being selfish, you shutting down and shaking your fist at God like you gonna win. You ain't gonna win. Just let him use you. And I promise you, he'll make it all right. He'll make it all right. Anybody want to give a life to the 